This podcast was recorded from our twice-weekly live stream. To watch this video or see other episodes of The Spiritual Journalist, head to thespiritualjournalist.com or find me on YouTube. You can find a link in the show notes. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of The Spiritual Journalist. I'm so grateful you found us here, and I'm so excited for today's conversation. We're talking all about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, the future of it, and how to get involved in it, because I know a lot of people feel really intimidated by cryptocurrency and this concept that's still a little bit abstract for most people. So today we have Natalie Brunel joining us. She's a former TV journalist who left her job in news to go full-time educating people about Bitcoin and the economy in general, how to invest, where she sees the future of this cryptocurrency going. So we're going to break it all down with her today. I know she has so much wisdom to share and I can't wait to see where our conversation goes. So let's get started. I've always been a deeply curious person, talking with anyone who would listen and soaking in as much information as possible. So it's no surprise my love for storytelling led me to a career in journalism. But after nearly a decade working in newsrooms across the West Coast, I realized I wanted to start asking questions you probably wouldn't see on your local news. So I left my job as a morning TV reporter and started The Spiritual Journalist. This isn't just a YouTube channel, podcast, website, or social media page. This is a live conversation where you get to ask questions too, because I'm not the expert. I'm not here to tell you what to believe. My goal is to connect you with people who have profound experiences and inspirational stories to share. And we'll definitely mix a little astrology in too. So if you're like me, you have this insatiable curiosity and you love deep conversations too, well, this is the place for you. Together each week, we'll explore everything from crystals and tarot to mental health and the environment. There are no wrong questions here. My ultimate goal is for you to come away from each episode with a new perspective and an expanded consciousness. This is a channel for the collective. This is a community for the curious. This is The Spiritual Journalist. Hello, thank you for being here with me this morning. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I love that intro video. And hey, we both left news, so I'm excited to do that. <laughs> I know, I'm so excited to talk all about that. I have been following you since you worked here in Sacramento and kind of watching you blossom and get into Bitcoin and just kind of the journey that you got there um, through. So I can't wait to talk to you all about it. And first of all, I just wanna say thank you so much for being here because I know you are a very busy woman, especially right now in this season of your career. Of course, I'm so happy to chat with you, and I miss Sacramento, so hopefully we'll share some, some Sacktown stories. <laughs> Definitely. You're in LA now, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, I'm in Los Angeles. Awesome. Okay, so for people who haven't watched The Spiritual Journalist before, we start every interview with a quick look at your astrology chart because I'm a huge fan of astrology, and I think it's a fun way for people to get to know you on a little bit of a deeper level. So are you game for it? Sure, go for it. Awesome. Okay, so I'm bringing up your chart here, um, and we'll just talk about kind of where the major planets are in your chart. So you are a Scorpio. I'm sure you know this, right? Yes. 
And you said that's pretty on point with your personality. So I'm guessing you might be a little bit of an intense person. I'm very passionate. Passionate is the word. <laughs> that's perfect. That's perfect. What's interesting, though, is that you have what we call a stellium in Scorpio. So three or more planets in Scorpio, as well as a stellium in Sagittarius. So those two energies are really ruling your chart. And you can see that here, like almost all of your planets are packed into this little section of your chart. So are you familiar with the sun, moon, rising, what those things represent? No. <laughs> okay, this is great. I, you're going to teach me so much today. So I love that I can teach you a little bit. So your sun in Scorpio is kind of like your essence. It's your personality. It's how you show up in the world. Your moon is your internal self, your emotions, your feelings, kind of rules your subconscious. So your moon is over here in Sagittarius. And what that tells me is that you have this craving or this deep need for freedom and for expansion. You probably really love to travel, explore, um, those things like nurture your soul probably. It's very, and very then, My nickname used to be Travel Nat, so you're get, we're getting somewhere. <laughs> there you go, there you go. License plate when I lived in Sacramento. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like so on point for your chart. And then I don't have your exact time of birth. So I'm not going to say for sure what your rising sign is because essentially your rising sign is exactly where the sun was on the horizon the moment you were born. So your birth chart is like a snapshot of where all the planets were in the sky from our vantage point here on earth. The moment you came into the world, it's like your little personal star map. Um, so. Your rising sign is falling right between Pisces and Aquarius right now. So it's hard to say which one you are without knowing exactly the time you were born. You said your mom thinks around 2 p.m. So I put 2 p.m. in there. Um, but and the like, Polish birth, birth certificate doesn't say the time. Like I have my birth certificate and it doesn't include the time weirdly. They didn't know that astro astrological readings would be a thing. <laughs> okay, also we can't bypass that. You were born in Poland, which is so cool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was came, I came here when I was five years old. Oh my goodness. So do you speak? Is it Polish? Is Polish a language? Tak ja mówię po polsku. That is so awesome. That is so cool. Um, so yeah, it's hard to say what your rising sign is, but your rising sign is essentially like the first impression you give off, how you show up in the world. I would imagine yours is either Aquarius or Pisces. So if you're a Pisces rising, you probably show up as a little bit more sentimental or um, kind of creative, maybe off in your own little world. Same with Aquarius, but Aquarius is more like you march to the beat of your own drum and you're kind of eccentric. So one of those two energies is probably how you show up in the world. Not sure exactly. Um, I will point out just a couple of your other major planets before we dive into crypto. I know that's why a lot of people are here. Um, so you have this stellium in Scorpio. You have your Venus in Scorpio really close to your sun. And Venus, I want to talk about with you especially because it's the planet of love and relationships, but it's also the planet that rules money. And I think with yours being within two degrees of your sun, it just goes to show that your personality, how you show up in the world, at least right now, has a lot to do with money and relationships with money. And with both of these planets being in Scorpio, you know, Scorpio, as I said, is kind of that intense energy, um, very passionate energy, but 
In astrology, Scorpio rules energy exchange and contracts. And I think that's also so perfect when it comes to cryptocurrency because um, it's not really about physical money, which is kind of opposite of Scorpio on the astrology wheel. It's about that energy exchange. You're putting energy in to get energy out. It's kind of that like what can't be felt or seen, but there is value there. And I believe your Mercury, let me double check. Yeah, your Mercury is also in Scorpio here. So your Mercury, Mercury is the messenger of the Zodiac. It's how we communicate. And I would imagine how that shows up for you is that you really love in-depth conversations and getting into the nitty gritty of things. Very accurate. All very accurate. <laughs> I guess yeah, and where it's fun. Yeah, yeah, we can do a full reading when we have your, well, I don't know if we can get your exact birth time, actually, so we'll just, we'll have to guess, but um, yeah, so you really love the depth with Scorpio, energy exchange is definitely part of your personality and how you're showing up in the world right now, and then just a little further about your Sagittarius moon and the planets in Sagittarius, your Saturn is also in Sagittarius, and I don't know if you've heard of the concept of a Saturn return, but it generally happens between the ages of 28 and early 30s, and we tend to have like a major life shift surrounding our Saturn return, yours being in Sagittarius probably had to do with the need for travel or freedom or just expansion in some way. And your Midheaven being in Sagittarius too, this little MC up here, our Midheaven represents our greatest potential in our careers. And so this tells me that you have great potential when it comes to teaching other people because Sagittarius isn't only the sign of expansion and travel, but also higher understanding and higher education, higher learning. And so you're able to get into the nitty gritty to explain these things on a deep level, but also your passion for sharing them and teaching other people on this broad level is already bringing you great success in your career. Wow, that is so fascinating. Thank you. Okay, one more thing I'm going to point out because this is going to be coming up for you and okay. we might actually end up talking about this. Jupiter is here in Pisces and Jupiter is the planet of abundance and manifestation. And it actually rules Sagittarius, so you probably have a lot of those themes playing out with so many planets in Sagittarius as well. But I bring this up because Jupiter is about to move back into Pisces at the end of December. And it'll be there for, I think, the next couple years, which means you have your Jupiter return coming. And I know we're getting kind of into the weeds here, but a return is essentially when the planet transiting in the sky right now, Jupiter, gets to the same position it was at when you were born. So your Jupiter return, I'm just saying you might have a ton of money coming to you or abundance or luck of some sort in 2022 and 2023. I would imagine like mid-2022 will be when your Jupiter return is happening. So, well, I'll have to check back in with you when Jupiter is around the same degree of yours and see what's going on with you. Do a little experiment. That must be when Bitcoin is at 100,000. <laughs> Yes, I was trying to find exactly because your Jupiter is at 12 degrees or almost 13 degrees. So I was trying to find exactly when it's going to be at 12 degrees. What's interesting, though, is that you 
We're born with a couple different retrogrades happening. So I'm sure you've talked to or heard about Mercury retrograde. You were born during a Mercury retrograde and a Venus retrograde. And Venus is going retrograde in about two weeks for the next month. So normally these are uncomfortable times for us because the planet appears to be moving backwards and it feels like we're backtracking in a lot of things. But for you, you'll probably be really comfortable in that energy because you were born during retrogrades. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, we could go into major depth, but I think it's really um, interesting that you have so much Scorpio and Sagittarius energy all about freedom, expansion, teaching other people, and also um, understanding energy exchange, having that deep passion. And the Scorpio energy is like this natural investigative energy as well. Scorpio is kind of like the detective of the Zodiac. So you're probably like, I need to find the truth. Both of these signs are all about like deeper understanding, finding the truth, getting to the bottom of things. Well, I was an investigative reporter. So again, all of this is making a lot of sense. I, you know, I truly do believe that there's a lot to this because I do believe we are all energy. In fact, I think money is energy. I think Bitcoin is digital monetary energy. And so I, I find this all fascinating. This is super cool. Well, this is a perfect way to start our conversation about Bitcoin too, because it's just playing perfectly into your chart. So I just want to start from the beginning with you. You were an investigative reporter, very successful. Um, at what point did you start exploring cryptocurrency? Well, I was actually living in Sacramento when I went down a little bit of the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Um, I wish I went deeper at that time. But basically, I was a reporter for a station up there called KCRA. It was the NBC affiliate. And I would report on literally everything, all topics, general assignment, breaking news, a little bit of investigative. And I met someone there who I ended up dating and he lived in San Francisco. So we did like a short, long distance. I would drive between Sacramento and San Francisco and his group of friends were into crypto. One of them worked for Coinbase. Another one had lost a bunch of his Bitcoins in this crazy thing called Mt. Gox, which happened, I think it was like in 2014 or so, but basically it was an exchange. I think it was based in Japan and people lost all of their coins and it was there's still a lawsuit pending about it. So I started to hear these words like Bitcoin, crypto, Ethereum, and I got a little bit curious. I ended up signing up for an account and I bought my first amount of Bitcoin. And uh, the price back then was, I believe, around $6,000. And it ran up all the way to 20,000 in this massive bull run in 2017. And then it crashed. <laughs> and you know, you know, the one thing I'm really impressed with myself is I didn't really even understand it, but I held on to it. I saw a lot of people just really believed in it and said it was the future. and they were people who had a lot of experience just in Silicon Valley and in the tech space. They seem to really know what they're talking about and seem to be very forward thinking. And they said, no, this is legitimate. You know, just buy it and forget about it for four years. And so um, I didn't sell even when it crashed or when it ran up to 20,000. And then it wasn't until I read a book called The Bitcoin Standard, which a mentor of mine gave to me. It's the most phenomenal book I've ever read. I mean, not just about Bitcoin, but just it's my favorite book because I never understood or knew or learned the history of money. And we use money every day, right? In a city like Los Angeles, I literally can't step out the door without spending 20 bucks. <laughs> and, uh, and I never really thought about, well, how do we have money? Why do we have money? Why do we have the US dollar? Why do you know other countries have different currencies? And so this book called The Bitcoin Standard 
lays out in about eight chapters, like what is the history of money? How did you know our system come about? And then for the last two to three chapters, it talks about Bitcoin and what it is. And I swear, I read that book. My eyes were just wide open. It changed the way I viewed a lot of the reporting I had been doing. And it caused me to like go much more, much more in, in terms of my financial investment. I started buying and accumulating as much as I possibly could. I shifted. I used to be like mostly cash, a little bit of stocks, you know, 401k. And I literally just went, nope, I'm going into Bitcoin. And I really started to, to believe in it and study it more. I love what you said about how it changed the way you viewed your reporting. Tell me a little bit more about that. Once you started feeling more, you know, aligned and called to learn about Bitcoin, to share what you were learning about Bitcoin, how did that change how you started to show up at work? Yeah, so I mean, you know this from experience. When you're a reporter uh, working your way up in these like small to medium to large markets, it's, it can be a real grind, uh, and you're covering a lot of tragedy. You're covering you know the worst things that are happening to society, whether they're crimes or you know uh, public policy issues, corruption. Uh, just there's so much like sadness and devastation, and. I never really connected the dots of how at least some of those issues and stories tied back to money and how our system of money is breaking down and how it's just harder and harder for people to make it and afford houses. I mean, a lot of my peers, I'm a millennial, a lot of my peers, they technically on paper make more money than their parents did, but they can't afford the, the, the house that their parents had. And you know, people make jokes about it online, but there's a very real reason why that's happening and why it's harder and harder for people to sort of make it and achieve the American dream than it was a couple of decades ago. And I, you know, if we want to take it to a little bit more philosophical of a level, I truly believe it contributes to sort of the breakdown of society where, you know, maybe someone who is having a difficult time affording life for their family and they don't have access to great education, maybe they resort to something like crime or drugs. And, you know, that has an impact on things like homelessness and just the policies that we see around us. And so, you know, when you trace it back, a lot of things have to do with money, money and education. And um, so Bitcoin really kind of inspired me because I saw our country going into this more and more divided place where everyone was just like bickering and fighting. And now it's like you have to pick a side. You're either red or you're blue. And if you're in the middle, you have to choose. And it's really sad because there are no winners in this at all. It's just a constant mudslinging and it's and it's propelling our country into just this polarized place where there's no hope. And I know that this is going to sound, you know, lofty, but Bitcoin gives you back hope because it's trying to fix this very problem and trying to return power to the individual to be able to have their money hold value into the future, to be able to take care of their families, take care of themselves. And it's truly something that I believe will fix a lot of these problems that I spent about 10 years reporting on. So it's, you know, you have to do a little bit of connecting the dots, but I truly believe it's all connected. It's so interesting that you say that because I feel like I had a similar experience, not the same, but when I discovered astrology, I just, the more I learned about it, the more I started to feel like, not that the stories I was reporting on didn't matter, but just like that I wasn't really helping people. And, you know, kind of like you said, it seems silly to say, but I was like talking about astrology. Anytime I bring it up to people, they feel seen or they feel understood or they're more empathetic or can show up in the world as a better version of themselves. And I just started to feel like 
I think this is my purpose. Like, I don't know if general news is my purpose. So when did you have that realization? Because I know you went on from Sacramento and continued in your success in news before you called it quits. Yeah, so it took me a while because I just didn't educate myself on what Bitcoin actually was until a couple of years after I actually made my first purchase. And so again, it's like I relate to the people that are looking at it now and they're super skeptical and they're like, no, I'm not even going to look into it. And I really want to speak to those people because I want them to stop dead in their tracks and invest a little bit of time in learning because it really does transform sort of your worldview and give you this chance to potentially, you know, make a great amount of money in, into the future. But basically, I went from Sacramento to Los Angeles, where I was hired by ABC News as a freelance national correspondent. And man, oh, man, I mean, I thought I was covering, you know, disasters and breaking news, crazy things in Sacramento all over Northern California. And then it like was ramped up even more. I was flying across the country covering devastating hurricanes, wildfires, mass shootings. Um, you know, obviously, we got to cover some really great, you know, lighter things or entertainment, things like that. But it was a very um, eye-opening experience of what it's like to be a network correspondent and how much um, how just how much work it takes and how little sleep you get. <laughs> I mean, I would be out um, I would be out at breaking news. I, I'd be called in the middle of the night, first of all, I'd fly out, and then I would maybe be sleeping two hours a night, just doing one story, one package after the next, after the next, pulling new sound bites from press conferences, and it was just day in and day out. And for some people, you know, they love it. They like get an adrenaline rush out of it. And I think in my early 20s, I was the same way. I was like, oh, I wanna be the first person on you know, the scene of breaking news. And then I sort of started to feel like, no, actually, I want to do a little bit more digging. I want something a little bit slower where I can do more meaningful reporting. And again, at that time, I hadn't d dug into Bitcoin yet. I was really honestly way too busy. And then I shifted over to a job where um, it was a brand new startup news network in Los Angeles called Spectrum News. Honestly, it was the best job I had in news, amazing news director really driven by the mission of storytelling and finding great characters and doing pieces that were more human interest driven as opposed to just like wallpaper video, crime, 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 you know, car chase, the end. They really wanted to like find the people that were that had voices or interesting stories within the community and highlight them and tell it in a very visual way. So I became their investigative correspondent. I did that for two years. And while I was there, I started to literally spent all of my free time reading about Bitcoin. Someone gave me the Bitcoin standard. And after that, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I've never learned all of this. Did I miss something at school? Did I just not pick the right classes? So I started reading every single book, not just about Bitcoin and the technology, but about economics, our monetary system, money printing. How does that work? I started following all the biggest thought leaders on Twitter. I started watching podcasts, YouTube videos. I basically turned into like this voracious consumer of of macroeconomics and Bitcoin information. And I had had a podcast that I launched while I was with ABC News where exactly like you, I wanted to talk to people more in depth and just like hear their backstories. And so it was called Career Stories. And I talked to people within different industries about how they achieved success. And I shifted it over, I decided to solely focusing on people in Bitcoin. Like who were they? What, you know, how did they achieve success in different industries before Bitcoin? And then why did they pivot into Bitcoin? Why did they believe in it? How did they discover it? You know, what are their responses to recent headlines or myths or arguments? And 
it truly just like pivoted me in a completely different direction. I mean, if you would have told me I'm now full time, you know, a Bitcoin educator and speaker and commentator and podcast host, I would not have believed you. I, I didn't even know I could make a job out of this. But I think it goes to show that when you find something that you're super passionate about, where you can hone in on an expertise and you really do just you have a good kind of calling and mission, which for me is like to help people, to help people make and keep their money, <laughs> um, it drives you and it, and it success comes in, in that capacity. So sorry that if that was a long winded answer, but basically I just, I like made a turn totally from, from media and news and these like kind of depressing stories into Bitcoin, which I think is so optimistic and hopeful and brings out the best of all of us. I think it's such proof as well that when you do follow your passion and you find that thing that you can't stop thinking about and studying and wanting to learn about how successful you can be because now I swear every time I go to your Twitter page you are on Fox Business or talking to somebody and sharing an interview or on a Twitter space like when I said you're so busy you are seriously so busy but you can also tell that you are so passionate about everything you're sharing so what has happened to your following since you started sharing more about Bitcoin and launching this career I would imagine it's kind of blown up yeah, you know, I can't believe it. I was never really a big user of Twitter prior to this. I, I would share maybe some stories here and there, maybe try to find a source or something to, to pitch. Um, but I never really embraced it that much. I would maybe be on Instagram and then I was just focused on doing my stories for Spectrum. And it's funny because at Spectrum, I thought I had the best news job of my career. There, were, there was a point where I was like, maybe I'll just stay at Spectrum for the rest of my, for the rest of my time as a journalist. Um, but there was still this curiosity and this hunger that I had. So I would literally wake up at five o'clock in the morning and like be listening to macroeconomic analysis and, and all that. And I was like, what am I doing? You know? And uh, basically I started to go on Twitter. I interviewed the thought leaders that I had found on Twitter because Bitcoin Twitter is this huge thing. I mean, people want information constantly. They're devouring interviews. They're talking about the price. They're talking about things happening with the Federal Reserve and our government officials. And so I just started to, A, share my podcast on there. I launched my podcast in May of this past year, so about six and a half months ago. And I had 2,000 followers <laughs> when I launched it. And I just started to share the interviews. I started to share my beliefs and thoughts on Bitcoin. You know, it was I, I came up to, to my contract ending, and it was a question of, am I going to renew it or go down this other path? And really, I mean... I couldn't, I, I really couldn't do both anymore because one, the podcast was just taking off into new opportunities, but also number two, I was no longer really a journalist about Bitcoin. I truly believe it will change our lives I, and I want to be an advocate for it. I want to, I want to teach people about it and help onboard people. So I'm no longer this like neutral third party, right? Um, and so over the last six to seven months, my following is now over 115,000 on Twitter, which is just crazy. I mean, 100,000 in six and a half months is crazy. It <laughs> is so wild. And for me, you know, I, I resonate so much with what you said about no longer identifying as that new, neutral third party. Like I felt that way about astrology and spirituality and wanting to share what I've learned. And it's so encouraging to see somebody just skyrocket like that when you find that passion and find that, um, that desire to, to want something more. So 
Let's talk about kind of the, the basics of Bitcoin a little bit, because I know there are some people who are going to watch this and think, OK, like that all sounds great. But why should I invest in Bitcoin? So for anybody who's not familiar, what's your selling point? What's your spiel to get them to at least open their mind to investing? Yeah. So first of all, just on a, a basic level, Bitcoin is a digital asset. So in the physical world, right, we have our paper cash that we transact with. And we also have gold, like, I don't know, probably family members or, you know, decades back, people actually used to hold gold. In fact, I didn't really realize this until I learned about Bitcoin, but our paper dollars that we have, our U.S. dollars, used to be backed by gold. So prior to about 1970, you could walk into a bank in the United States and you could say, I would like to exchange this amount of dollars for whatever it's worth in gold. And they would have to give it to you. And in 1971, when Nixon was in office, he took us off of the gold standard. Now, when you have money that isn't backed by anything, right, it's essentially just a piece of paper that the government prints and they can essentially print as much as they want of it. Well, the value starts to come into question. And so what we've seen over the last several decades is the government has now expanded the supply of money every single year by about seven to 14 percent in the last year alone 40 percent of dollars that are in existence were printed 40 percent of dollars so when there's a ton of dollars in supply what does that happen to the power of the dollar it drops right everything is getting more and more and more expensive and our paychecks are not really keeping up with it and so the creators of bitcoin they're anonymous but they saw a problem with that that essentially we have a government that and this has happened over history with like the Roman Empire, the Byzantine Empire, pretty much, you know, all governments throughout history, they've sort of um, taken advantage of and abused their prerogative to control the money supply. And it really hurts the citizens. And it starts out okay, but then as the years go by, it really, really has an impact, especially on lower to middle classes. And so there's something that I learned about when I studied Bitcoin called the Cantillon effect. The Cantillon effect refers to when the government, when the Federal Reserve prints money, it goes to the top of the food chain first. It goes to the bankers. It goes to people who are wealthy and have assets. They buy back their stocks. They you know, shoot up the S&P and the NASDAQ to record highs. But it's not based on actually any value that the companies are creating. It's basically just a bubble because there's so much money in the system. And it's not going really to the people who need it most, who are in, again, that middle and bottom class. It really hurts wage earners and savers. And so you put your money away in the bank account and it has what, like a 0.01% interest rate. And meanwhile, they're inflating the money supply so much. So you're, you're getting crushed with your purchasing power. Your money is actually, it was $100 at the start of the year. And at the end of the year, it's you know worth $86. And so there's something clearly very broken in the system. So the creators of Bitcoin were these brilliant programmers and engineers with a computer science background who said we need to engineer a digital form of money that a government, no government or central authority can manipulate or control. And so it actually took about 40 years of research and development and trying things that didn't work until Satoshi Nakamoto, the pseudonymous creator of Bitcoin, published something called the white paper where he essentially introduced the concept of Bitcoin in 2009. For those of you who were around back then, we were in the middle of a massive financial crisis, right? The last major recession and housing bubble that popped and the, the government stepped in and they bailed out all the big banks, right? They didn't bail out the little guy, they bailed out the big guys. 
So this white paper was released and Bitcoin sort of came into existence. It was born. 12 years later, it is the best performing asset of any asset in essentially the world. It outperformed Amazon stock, Apple stock, S&P 500, gold, all of it, Tesla. Um, and so what it is essentially is it's programmed money and it's completely scarce and completely decentralized. The two best aspects of Bitcoin are its decentralization and its scarcity. So let's focus on each of those. It's decentralized in that literally no one controls it. Think of the internet, right? It's literally everywhere and it's owned by no one and anyone has open access to it. You log on to your computer, you have Wi-Fi, boom, you have the internet. There's no government behind the internet. There's no corporation behind the internet. They have building blocks on top of it, websites, but no one owns and controls it, which also makes it very difficult to stop, right? You can't just ban or stop the internet. You would have to turn off electricity all over the whole world. And so that's the way Bitcoin works, but in terms of a monetary system where literally these computers run the Bitcoin software, they're distributed around the whole world and no one owns or controls Bitcoin. Number two, it's scarce. So the creator essentially programmed Bitcoin to only ever have 21 million Bitcoins to come into existence. And he created essentially this programmatic scheme that involves really complicated math equations that are solved by very, very complex advanced computers. And they release Bitcoins on a schedule. So every four years, fewer Bitcoin come into existence. It's the complete opposite of our government system. So we're inflating the money supply every year like this, and Bitcoin supply is going down like this. Each year, fewer and fewer Bitcoin come into existence. So back in 2009, you would get you know 50 Bitcoins versus the next year's 20, or four years later is 25, then the next year 12 and a half. And those were essentially rewards for something known as Bitcoin miners. So what's a Bitcoin miner? You've probably heard it in the news, right? Bitcoin mining, it, it boils the oceans, which is false, by the way. Bitcoin mining is the process of verifying transactions. So the blockchain that people refer to is the underlying technology of Bitcoin, and it's essentially a digital ledger. It's just a public ledger of literally every transaction. Olivia sent Natalie this Bitcoin, and it doesn't say our names, but it's, you know, numbers and it was this amount, and then, and then the next one, the next one, the next one. So once you fill up a block, that block needs to get verified by the computer network, which is Bitcoin around the world, and then that can be added to the next block, to the next block, to the next block. So literally it's this like ongoing ledger of every transaction that goes all the way back in time to the very first one back in 2009 when it was created. It's incredibly actually transparent. It's, it's an immutable and transparent. You can't change the record. So mining refers to when these computers that are around the world decentralized are actually verifying the transactions. They're serving like the accountants, making sure that this person has enough Bitcoin to send to this person. And as a reward for mining a, a block of uh, Bitcoin transactions, you receive a block subsidy, which is a reward of Bitcoin. You get a certain amount of Bitcoin. And so that's essentially how it works. It's a brilliantly programmed network and it's a digital form of money that has increased in value every single year by sometimes up to a thousand percent. And it's just incredible because it allows you to again store the money that you work so hard for. You can't put it in the bank today. You have to risk it in the stock market or you know, buy some mutual funds or maybe buy a collectible, buy a nice car. You, to retain value, you can't put it in the bank. And that's really, really sad. It's crushing us. And so Bitcoin created something that's absolutely scarce brilliantly programmed and that increases in value over time.
So I talked a lot, but that's essentially it. <laughs> I love that explanation. I know we're seeing questions coming into the chat and we'll get to them in a second. Um, but first I wanna talk to you about the current state of our economy, um, because you mentioned that a little bit. And I, I also am going to ask you in a second about the whole energy aspect. But I'm really curious about what you see happening with the current U.S. economy and why you're so passionate about getting people involved in Bitcoin. Do you see do you expect something huge to happen, like a collapse of the banks or something like that in the next year or so? Or are you worried about anything like that? So here's what I will say. I used to be very worried before Bitcoin again, and now I think Bitcoin actually will will save us from all of this because it sort of allows us to opt out of a system that is completely based on debt and into one based on computer science and value, which is super exciting. It's technology and it's open source for anyone to access. Um, right now, the reason that we're in a tricky spot with the U.S. government is they printed a ton of money in order to stimulate the economy as a result of the pandemic. The truth is actually is that wasn't very new. They had been pumping money and printing money into the system ever since, you know, the last financial crisis. And even before then, with uh, back in the 90s, we had like a dot com bubble. So they keep injecting money into, again, the economy. And it's resulting in inflation and the purchasing power collapse of the U.S. dollar. Now, right right now, they basically have two options. So the Federal Reserve in our country controls our money supply. They can keep printing money and keep buying something known as treasury bonds, which essentially is the U.S. government borrowing from itself, which is not good, right? We're already so far in debt. That's why you hear the debt ceiling talks. Um, it can continue to do that and keep inflating our money supply, but it runs the risk of going toward more and more inflation. The last numbers we got are 6.2% inflation, which is really, really bad. Or they can do something else, and, and that's known as tapering, and they can re raise the interest rate. So basically, the Federal Reserve, when it was founded in 1913, it didn't have all the power that it did today. Today, it has a ton of power. It can literally lower interest rates, and that's supposed to stimulate the economy and encourage borrowing. Or it can raise interest rates if it needs to kind of contract the economy. Well, our economy is so fragile right now and in such a bubble because our asset prices and our housing prices are so high due to all the money printing. If they raise interest rates or taper, we run the risk of a, a, a crash. A cra and I don't know how big it would be, but essentially the bubble would burst and people would you know, pull out their money, liquidate in every direction. So I would not want to be the Federal Reserve chair right now because that's a, between a rock and a hard place. Here's the good thing. Bitcoin, again, is this open source option for people who are anywhere in the world can opt in and start to protect the purchasing power of their money. That's why I'm so passionate about it, because right now I think we've just gone too far in terms of creating so much debt. I mean, literally, people are so in debt in this country from their houses to their student loans to actually our government being so, so, so in debt to mainly itself and its future self. And um, and Bitcoin allows you to opt out. I do not think it's a threat to the banking system or the dollar. I think it'll make it stronger because essentially it's just allowing you to put your money into an asset, just like gold used to be, where it retains value over the into the future and it's a form of digital property. I, I like to compare Bitcoin to like 21 million plots of land in digital cyberspace and you could get even a small portion of it. You don't need a whole Bitcoin. 
but it allows you to start to accumulate purchasing power over time, whereas the US dollar is unfortunately weakening. And I don't know what policies they'll do. I don't know if there will be a crash, but personally, I don't worry about it as much because I have Bitcoin, if that makes sense. You're, you're like, I'm good. I'm invested in Bitcoin. And Bitcoin really is like this global, it represents this global economy or cryptocurrency in general that's coming about. You know, we're in the information age, we're in the technology age, the age of Aquarius and astrology, all about the collective humanity, the global economy. And I, I see cryptocurrency as this connector of all of us. But the reason I ask about if you think there's going to be a crash with the economy is because actually in astrology, this is something that's really interesting that I'm watching closely at the beginning of next year. So we talked about returns a little bit at the beginning, your Jupiter return coming up with Jupiter moving into Pisces. So the US on 2-2-22, well, and currently this is happening, but the US is going through its Pluto return. So essentially Pluto is coming back to the same position it was in the sky when the US became a country. And Pluto, uh, you know, we still consider it a planet in astrology, but Pluto is the planet of death and rebirth, of massive change, of destruction and rebirth. Uh, it also rules Scorpio, so you're probably kind of familiar with that Pluto energy. Um, but Pluto takes 250 years about to go around the sun. So we're almost seeing this return of our economy, uh, you know, and, and also Pluto is in Capricorn, the sign of the patriarchy. So I feel like over the past couple years, we've seen these patriarchal structures of banking and government starting to crumble and break down. And this isn't me predicting like a huge, massive collapse of our economy, but I really do feel like there is going to be a moment in 2022 towards the beginning of next year where there's going to be this change in awareness or whatever it might be about our, the structure of our government and what's not working and what needs to fall away in order to be rebuilt. So I'm really curious to see how Bitcoin and cryptocurrency plays into that. Um, but it, it's really aligned with what you're saying about kind of this situation that the government is in right now where something something's going to have to change. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that, you know, the astrology kind of plays into it. But yes, I think we are at a really critical moment. Um, there are consequences when you print money and when you debase currency. And again, like until I learned about Bitcoin, I really didn't understand the history of money and how it's really led to the collapse of a lot of empires. So back in Rome, they had coins, they had gold coins. And when the government wanted to finance spending on something, whether it was programs or war at the time there were obviously a lot of um a lot of, there was a lot of war and violence they would start doing something called coin clipping where they would dilute the coin from you know 100% gold to 85% gold to 60% gold they would inflate the money supply and that's literally what we're seeing it's just it's it's almost like the temptation or the the prerogative to do that with the money is just always too powerful because the government how best do they get elected right they promise people things they say well if you elect me i'm going to give you x y and z and all of those things cost money and where are you going to get it unless you tax people you're going to have to essentially make it up yourself so there is going to be a day of reckoning and unfortunately we've we've accelerated it we've basically poured gas on the fire with this pandemic because it required us to do these extreme stimulus packages 
and while people were just you know out of work and providing no value to the actual economy so yes i agree with you there there could be this like shift in this this bubble pop and look we've had them right we've had these cycles and bubble pops if you're a millennial you basically graduated into one recession and you're spending part of your 30s in another in some ways um but the good thing is again that we now have this monetary technology that absolutely can never be expanded or manipulated or controlled so that's why i'm super super passionate about it because I, I really think the U.S. should embrace it. And I think we are moving in that direction. You've probably seen the headlines already. You know, Visa's getting in on it. This company's getting in on it. Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, says he has Bitcoin. The U.S. government actually does have Bitcoin. They won't disclose how many. Um, 67 million Americans already own Bitcoin. We're slowly but surely moving in that direction, just like we adopted the Internet. We're actually expanding faster. And I think it's the one thing that will actually save us if we were to have this big bust, because... Um, the U.S. is the global reserve currency, and I didn't know this, but most global reserve currencies have only had a lifespan of, of about 100 years, and we, the U.S. dollar, are at around 95. So again, like, it could be time. I think there's going to be a lot of shifts, especially in the next couple of years, but it's truly incredible that this technology was invented for the very purpose of allowing people to save for the future, and I'm so excited about it. Okay, so let's talk about the energy behind this too, because you mentioned that there's kind of this belief floating around that cryptocurrency is really bad for the environment. So can you set the record straight on that and talk about how much energy cryptocurrency in general does consume and if it is cleaner than printing actual money? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Bitcoin, the process of mining, you have to expend energy. You have to expend computing power in order to verify the transactions. And so there are mining operations. Now most of them are actually headquartered in North America or the U.S. that are basically mining the Bitcoin by using these very fancy computers. That uses electricity. However, because Bitcoin miners need to basically find the cheapest energy possible, they are more than 70% run on renewable energies, green energies. And in fact, they are spurring and putting more and more money into innovation in that space. Bitcoin miners are not the ones that are using like coal or um, you know forms of energy that actually destroy the environment. They are harnessing things like volcanoes and hydropower and capturing stranded energy from oil fields that would have polluted the environment and actually funneling it and using it for Bitcoin mining. So that narrative out there is very, very, very false. Bitcoin uses less than one tenth of 1% of the electricity in the world. Again, most of, most of the energy is renewable. It's driving innovation in that space. And I would argue that this form of energy use is one of the most important forms of energy use ever because it's essentially protecting and securing our monetary network that could potentially be a global reserve currency or asset for the entire world, right? It's essentially protecting the value of the very thing we exchange and build our economies on. Whereas it doesn't use as much power as Christmas tree lights or washing machines. I mean, so we can't start moralizing energy use unless you look at every single sector. How much does you know, this at your home use? How much does this within businesses use? How much does money printing use? So I really want to stress that, you know, people have to be very careful with latching onto that argument. I know it's something that probably gets a lot of clicks with mainstream media, but it's not true. It's just not true, unfortunately. And um, like I said, the most exciting thing is it's really going to create jobs and spur more technological innovation to create more and more forms of green energy to harness solar, wind, volcanoes, 
high, like it's so exciting. So I just really want to make sure people know that yes, Bitcoin uses energy, but for the most part, it's energy that's not bad for our planet. And let's talk about that innovation piece, because when you were saying that, I, uh, you know, my partner sent me a post the other day of like 10 careers that are going to be up and coming in the age of the metaverse or whatever. So let's talk about the metaverse. And, uh, you know, some people have already asked questions about it, actually, in the chat here. How do you see cryptocurrency playing into the future and you know facebook changed its name to meta there's this whole push towards people designing different communities in the metaverse people getting married and building houses in the metaverse how does cryptocurrency fit into all of that okay so first i want to stress a really really crucial point and difference so i hope that no one continues to conflate bitcoin with the other kind of crypto tokens that are out there bitcoin is entirely different and it's trying to solve a very, very virtuous, um, it has a virtuous mission and it's trying to solve a very big problem, which is essentially to stop the debasement of our money. It's trying to be a form of digital gold and allow us to store value into the future. So I believe that it will kind of be the foundation layer of our money system. It'll be at the bottom layer that ushers us into this sort of digital age of saving. Now, Aside from that, there are all these other tokens. I mean, literally, you know, it's funny because people are like, well, can Bitcoin just be copied? Well, there have been about 10,000 people trying to copy them, 10,000 coins or more, and none of them have become Bitcoin because it's just, it's simply too difficult with how reinforced and distributed it is. So that said, there are all these different cryptocurrencies out there, and the majority of them, unfortunately, are centralized. They have like a central group of people behind them who control how many tokens there are, how many coins there are, what they're gonna do with it. And personally, you know, I believe some will will survive. Maybe they'll have value. Maybe people will use it for art or sports or, you know, real estate, whatever. And others will come crashing down and people will, will lose money. So I really want to stress that people have to be very, very careful. We in this country are already going toward the direction of recognizing Bitcoin's legitimacy. But there are still a ton of questions about all the other currencies because the government sees them as securities and potentially big risks for investors. So that said, people want to build this metaverse. I, you know, I kind of look at it from kind of afar because I, I'm in my mid thirties and I love real life. Like I'm already on my phone so much and like on, you know, Instagram and all that. And I can embrace the social media technology, but taking the, that next, next step of like getting married in the metaverse or buying a house that's not real, it's just in the metaverse. It's not my thing. Now for younger people that love to game and they love that aspect that's sort of virtual or augmented reality, you know, I get it, like go for it. You know, I wish your token all the best. I just really urge people to just be really careful because again, Bitcoin is just totally separate. It's like a savings account. And these other tokens are more, I think, you know, like technology projects or technology companies. Like when the internet came out, right? There's Google, there's MySpace, there's Facebook. Some survived, some came crashing down. Um, some were clear winners, some some not, we don't use anymore. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with this metaverse. I think it will see it around us. You know, I went to Art Basel in Miami and it was all about NFTs and the metaverse. But personally, I'm just super passionate about helping people understand the money system. So I'm on the Bitcoin side. <laughs> You're like, I'm in the real world. I like who I am. I really see the metaverse being for a lot of people, like you said, gamers or people. Yeah. I mean, this sounds really depressing, but who aren't super happy with 
how they showed up in this lifetime and are like, I want to be someone else in the metaverse, you know. Of course, there are tons of different uses, but I love that comparison you gave um, when the internet was coming up. It's almost like you view Bitcoin as Google and like, you know, Dogecoin as Ask Jeeves or something like that. I view Bitcoin as the internet. And then all the rest <laughs> like websites that come up and you're like, oh, I like this one. I'm going to use this one. This one succeeds. You know, I, I, I'm not saying people can't make money and invest or have fun with all of these technological advancements that are happening. It's just um, people kind of loop it all into one bubble like Bitcoin equals this equals this. And they're all in this one basket. And truly, Bitcoin is so, so, so different. And until you really study it and understand it, you kind of you kind of mix them all up together. And so I want to make sure that people understand Bitcoin's very, very different. Definitely. So I have to ask you, do you diversify with your cryptocurrency? Or are you just all in on Bitcoin? Have you dabbled in, you know, Cardano or any of the other cryptocurrencies or even bought NFTs, anything like that? No. So, you know, Olivia, this is what I, I find so interesting about the place we're at, especially in our country, where you know, again, you can't put your money that you earn with your job into a bank account and have it increase in value, right? You have to risk it. You have to trade. People are becoming day traders, whether it's with these meme stocks like GameStop or, you know, especially in the last year or two, crypto, right? You can get this like 1 million percent pop and people make a ton of money. So for me, I, I want to live in a world where you only need one job right? Where you don't need to also be a trader and like watch the market and you have to be online at three o'clock when it pops off and sell and buy back. It's so much work. And for some people that's fun. They want to be day traders. Cool. That, that could be your job. But I want to live in a world where I, I make my money doing something I'm super passionate about. I put it away in my Bitcoin savings account and it just goes up in value. And I don't have to worry about speculating the market, trading a coin, buying the dip, worried about like when I'm going to sell. Because for me, it's like these other tokens require you to pay such close attention to the market and time it, right? Like when do I exit? When do I take my profits? Bitcoin, on the other hand, is like you put it in, you set it and forget it. So I am, I'm, a, I'm, I'm only in Bitcoin because I don't want to trade. I don't have time for it. <laughs> I know I saw on Twitter you posted like, please stop inviting me to, you know, rep your NFTs or get involved. Like I'm just doing Bitcoin, which I can totally, totally respect. So I, let's talk about buying Bitcoin since that initial investment. I'm guessing that you've bought some more, but have you sold any? Do you watch what's going on with the market and buy and sell accordingly? Or are you just still in that investment mode? No, so I just continuously accumulate. So mine is not a trading strategy. It's an accumulation strategy. I've been buying since 2017, sometimes more, sometimes less. But basically, I do something called DCA, which is called dollar cost average, where it doesn't matter what the price is. I have a certain amount that's set as a deposit. And every single week, that amount goes into purchasing some Bitcoin. And it goes into essentially the savings account that I have. So that's my strategy. Um, I actually have two places where your listeners and viewers could buy Bitcoin. They're um, two of my favorite companies in the space, which is why I've partnered with them. One of them is called Swan Bitcoin. It's a Bitcoin-only company where literally it's like you attach your bank account and you could start your retirement savings plan. You could do it as an individual or a business. And you start, again, accumulating 
Bitcoin. And the other one is OKCoin. And OKCoin does have a lot of the different other cryptocurrencies. So if you want to purchase other tokens like Ethereum, Cardano, Miami coin, they have those as well. And I have links where people can get some some Bitcoin if you sign up. Um, so those are my two places that I trust the most. And it's really easy because you don't have to purchase an entire Bitcoin. You literally can allocate a dollar's worth, five dollars worth, ten, a hundred, whatever it is. Again, think of it as a savings account. I no longer have like a traditional 401k. I've put it all into Bitcoin. So I have a certain amount that I allocate and every month that goes into accumulating Bitcoin at whatever price it happens to be. Um, I have this belief that Bitcoin will take over gold and gold is a $10 trillion market cap. And so Bitcoin right now is at 50 to 60,000 a coin at a $1 trillion market cap. So if you just multiply that by 10, we're literally looking at a $500,000, $600,000 Bitcoin. So um, again, I just I think it's going to go up in value. I think that the 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 top is infinite. I don't know how high it could go. I think it could take over, you know, in terms of being the digital asset around the world. So I think the sky's the limit, and I just want to accumulate as much as I can. We have a couple of questions coming in surrounding this specifically. So I know you gave some great sites for people to get started. You said you can just start with a couple of dollars. It doesn't have to be this huge investment. Uh, we had Joseph ask, how do you get started and how do you do it if you're on a budget? What would you say is, is there an amount that you would start with or just whatever you can? Yeah, so again, what's great about Bitcoin is you can buy as little as a dollar. So I would try to start to budget in your life. You know, what are things that I'm spending money on where I could literally take the three or five dollars? It might sound little now, but start to put it into Bitcoin and start to see it again as a savings account that you do not touch. Like, don't look at Bitcoin for the next year. I mean, you can watch the price if you want, but like, don't touch your account for the next year, two years, three years, four years. There's actually, Olivia, no one that has held Bitcoin for four or more years who has lost money on it. Everybody's in profit if you held it for that amount of time, which is pretty incredible. Um, so it's short term volatile. You'll see that. Don't get spooked by that. In the long term, it's going up like this. Whereas our US dollar is very stable in the short term. But if you zoom out, the purchasing power is going the opposite direction. It's going down. So buy as little or as much as you want and can i would allocate at least one to five percent if you're very very conservative and nervous and worried um this is a situation too where you don't want to have to sell um you know and 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 buy back and forth because that will just incur you taxes again bitcoin is digital property so it's kind of like owning a house but in cyberspace uh so if you if you sell a house you get capital gains tax right so this is again a savings account for your future like a 401k and i would just say buy what you can you know instead of going to starbucks put that into bitcoin and start making a small deposit and just watch it grow over time that's what's convinced so many people is they were like well i'll just start with a couple dollars and then they look at their account and in us dollars it would have stayed you know i don't know 100 and in bitcoin it suddenly turned into 500 and so it's just incredible, the growth. Uh, so I really recommend, again, there are lots of platforms out there. I personally, when I started, I had Coinbase, but I had problems with their customer service. I've also known people who have had issues with their accounts. So I found these two great companies through my research, Swan Bitcoin and OKCoin, that I trust the most. And then the same person, Joseph, also asked, does Bitcoin have a bubble? Can it burst and collapse? And I think that's a great question to address. So Bitcoin is not a bubble. What we have in our country is an asset and a housing bubble right now. Again, that's from all the money printing that's happening. And what I believe constitutes as a bubble is essentially when we have a situation where the value, the prices or the, the earnings are not matching up. It's basically 
based on debt. We've gone into debt in our country to purchase up all these stocks and buy up all the real estate. And it's really, really crippling parts of um, American society. Bitcoin, however, is just literally, it's a digital asset. It's worth a certain amount based on what supply and demand tell it with no government or no entity around it. And again, it's been going up in value every single year. So I don't believe that that is a bubble in any way. I think we're at the early, early stages. And the only thing that I see as a threat to Bitcoin is something known as a black swan, black swan. It's like an unknown, unknown that you literally can't predict. Um, I think it would be like Armageddon. Basically, something has to turn off the Internet around the whole world because that's essentially the only way that you can turn off Bitcoin. You would have to attack the entire Internet around the entire world in every country. There can't be any computers that survive. Otherwise, Bitcoin survives. That's wild to think about um, and also very reassuring um, as far as buying Bitcoin. Something else uh, a viewer asked, Tina said, I didn't realize people didn't know this much about economics, but she also said, I feel like there's an energetic shift awareness. And she said, I'm glad there's woman representation. We need more of that. That's something I wanted to talk to you about. So I know you've probably gone to, you know, Bitcoin conventions and you're deep in the Bitcoin world. How rare is it for you to find other women at the level you're at just of awareness when it comes to cryptocurrency in general? Because I really do feel like this is a male dominated, I don't even know if you would call it an industry right now. And that's why I wanted to bring you on and have a female voice because this really is about financial freedom. Yeah. Yeah, I really don't want women to miss out on this financial revolution that's happening. That's why I'm really passionate about bringing girls into the space. And you're totally right. There is a there's a huge gender gap. Unfortunately, I went to the Bitcoin conference earlier this year and, you know, it's like 10,000 people and there's a huge line out the door for the guys bathroom. And then there's like two girls, <laughs> which is great, honestly, because usually it's the opposite. But uh, but no, it's really sad. There's like a huge glaring gap. It's just more guys are, are into it, at least this early. I don't know if it has to do with the, you know, the concept of engineering being more male dominated, computer science and general gaming, because all of those industries are so tied into, you know, the core of Bitcoin. But that's why I want to make it more accessible to the average person, whether they're a woman or maybe someone older, not familiar with technology. This is accessible to anybody. It doesn't matter what you look like. I mean, Bitcoin has no gender, no race, no ethnicity, no language, no leader, no nothing. It's so truly accessible for everyone. It empowers every individual. So I want to get more women in. Um, there was a study that came out, I think, that said 85% of um, cryptocurrency holders are men. And so we really need to get a push to, to have girls catch up. I'm really passionate about that. Any, any way that I can help in that arena, I will try to help. But yeah, we don't want to miss out. Bitcoin's not just for the boys. <laughs> I know. I love seeing, I mean, I swear every time I look on your Twitter page, you have like 5,000 new followers or something, but it makes me so happy because I am like, yes, there is this like very smart, capable, intelligent woman talking about Bitcoin and just having that representation alone, I think is showing other women like, hey, there might be something here. This isn't just this weird techie thing that nerds yeah. get into, you know? <laughs> um, a uh, couple more questions for you. Um, you know, this is the spiritual journalist, so I have to ask you about your own spirituality on some level. Do you have any sort of practices or 
you know, belief systems that you use or any way you kind of track what's going on with Bitcoin that might not be, um, you know, this concrete number based thing? Do you have any rituals or anything you do before you buy more? Tell me all about it. Um, no, I don't have rituals, but on a on a spiritual note, I actually am I'm very religious. I grew up Catholic. My family is very Polish American, true blue Catholic, and I pray a lot. And I truly have always believed that God is guiding me on a path. Like, I, and I accept everyone, whether they're religious or you know they're searching or maybe they don't believe. But I truly do believe that that God exists and that He's in my life and. I feel like I was called to do this in some way. I, I've always felt like I want to help people. I want to learn as much as possible. I love the idea of journalism kind of allowing me the chance to meet people, hear their stories, share their stories with the world. But I always wanted to feel like I'm doing something good for the world, for at least my community on a small scale. And I truly believe God led me to Bitcoin. I really do. I truly think that it's the one thing that will solve some of the problems that humans created with great intentions because look i mean we said a lot of things about the u.s government i don't believe that all these politicians you know ganged up and decided they wanted to crush our economy and our dollar it happened actually through good intentions of wanting to get elected wanting to spend money wanting to say hey i'll give you this and that and i'll back up your loans and unfortunately there have been really bad consequences and moral hazards that were the result of good intentions and now we have to walk some of those back and some of that will be painful but not as painful with Bitcoin. So I truly believe, like, I pray, I have like beautiful symbols of my Catholic faith around my house. I love St. Mary. It was um, the Feast of Immaculate Conception the other day. And I, I love the saints and it just reminds me of my childhood and my parents. Um, and I, I truly believe that like God led me on this path. So I don't know if that answers your question, but. But yeah. It definitely does. And I, I think it's really beautiful because you are someone, you know, in terms of the spiritual community of manifestation, even looking at your chart, you probably manifest things very easily, manifest wealth very easily. Um, and, you know, some of my friends who are more religious, Christian, Catholic, have asked me before, you know, can I, I feel guilty manifesting because, you know, I don't want to seem ungrateful or whatever. But I, I really love to see someone like you who is really steadfast in your faith, in your religion, and still so open-minded when it comes to Bitcoin and spirituality and astrology as we started this show with. I think it's awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I just, at the core of my faith is just treating people the way you'd want to be treated and really helping one another in this sense of fellowship and community. And again, like as cheesy as it sounds, it's, I mean, it's just technology. It's just code. Like Bitcoin is just software, but it really accomplishes such virtuous, beautiful things. And I am really excited about it because I think that we need something in this world, especially right now with how divided we are, that gives us hope. And right now there's not a lot of hope and Bitcoin's hope. I love too, uh, somebody said at the beginning of the stream, Bitcoin being a symbolism for hope is very spot on in the cryptoverse for sure, the light. And uh, it's interesting because, you know, my whole spiritual awakening, starting this show, leaving my job in news really came from this realization of like, I'm here to be the light. I'm here to inspire other people and uplift other people. And so I love that Tina here said that she almost sees Bitcoin as a light in the world, as this opportunity. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. I love that. I love the way that she put it. And and we said it earlier, but like, you know, you're all about energies, right? I believe that too. I because I believe God created this beautiful universe that we live in and and I think energies are so important and our money is energy, right? Like we work really hard every single day to store it and to be able to use it and transfer that energy among each other for the things we want in life. And Bitcoin just encapsulates that in like a digital form. It's digital energy and we can send it from one place on the planet to another totally freely without anyone, you know, being in the middle of that transaction. And it's so powerful and, and it is energy. So it's great. And I think it's so perfect for what's going on globally. You know, like a lot of people in the spiritual community are talking about this mass awakening of people. And even if you're not spiritual, just technology, the age of information, people are waking up because of access to technology. And cryptocurrency in general, I think is just such this beautiful way of looking at energy like you talked about and everybody around the world having an opportunity to contribute to one system it's like bringing all of humanity together i feel like yeah no i completely agree i think it's the one thing that actually will unify us uh, and i think there's a lot of opportunity there the last thing I'll say before we close this out, uh, and we'll end with a little card pull. I always pull an oracle card at the end, so we'll right. see what card comes through for you. But um, I have to end by sharing this quote. I don't know if you've heard it, but JP Morgan said, millionaires don't need astrologers, billionaires do. So if you ever need an astrology take on what's going on with Bitcoin, I actually saw an astrologer a couple months ago show Bitcoin's chart. So like when Bitcoin came online, where the planets were and being able to track where the planets are now and what's going on with Bitcoin and when there are rises and dips, you know, you can get super into the nitty gritty of it. But I, I do think it's interesting. Well, just so you know, Olivia, Bitcoin is also a Scorpio. It was released on October 31st. <laughs> So, of course, you're like, I love Bitcoin. I'm a Scorpio. Bitcoin's a Scorpio. We're just super compatible. <laughs> that is amazing. I love that so much. Yeah, I think a couple um, weeks ago, either it was rising or falling and Mars was transiting on the Mars for Bitcoin and somebody was talking about it. And I was like, you know, I haven't gone too deep into that side of astrology. I really like, you know, just the general energy of the day and the forecast of the day. But it is really cool once you start correlating different rises and falls in the price of Bitcoin and what was going on in the stars. So I think it's I also just love seeing, you know, JP Morgan and Warren Buffett and people like that talking about astrology. Our founding fathers used astrology. It's it's really interesting how many people have used it for investing purposes. That's so cool. Okay, so as I'm shuffling these cards, I'm going to pull up your uh, Twitter page just so everybody can follow you. I know this is where you're the most active talking about Bitcoin, sharing so much information. And as I'm shuffling, please tell people about your podcast, your offerings, where they can find you and learn more from you. Yeah, so please check out my podcast. It's called Coin Stories. You can find it on YouTube if you like to watch the video version or on Apple, Google Play, Spotify if you just like the audio version. Super excited about it. I speak to people who are the biggest thought leaders and the most successful people in the space who believe in Bitcoin about how they got to be where they are and why they believe in Bitcoin. And it's just fascinating conversations. Sometimes I bring in some contrarians who don't believe in Bitcoin just for some fun debates. Um, and then, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. And if you want to buy Bitcoin, you can head to swanbitcoin.com slash Natalie Brunel. 
You'll get $10 in Bitcoin when you sign up, or you can go to go.okcoin.com slash Natalie, and you could get $50 in Bitcoin when you sign up. So hope you come on board. That's incentive enough for me, honestly. <laughs> $53 in Bitcoin. I know that's like a really tiny amount of Bitcoin, but... That's okay. It's, it's going to stack. Okay. I think that is the universe telling us it's time to pull a card. So... <laughs> Let's yeah, see. A relationship one for me, Olivia. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Okay, let me let me see. What message is coming through for Natalie today? Ooh. So this is the Starseed Oracle. I don't know if you've heard of the concept of a Starseed, but uh, you know, that's something maybe you could look into. Um, that's kind of an abstract concept because Bitcoin is so abstract for all of us. But your card today is earth pulsing and the caption is pulse of the mother slow down time in nature so let me pull up the little description here and read it for you but i will say you know if you're looking for some relationship advice or action you were born under a venus retrograde and venus is going retrograde at the end of december so that could be something interesting for you um let's see here we go. Earth pulsing. A mysterious pulse is woven through all of life. The planet itself has a rhythm. You can see it in the seasons and the tides. In our world of artificial lighting, long working hours, and modern conveniences, it's easy for us to feel stuck and off kilter. It's time to reconnect with nature and surrender to the pulse of the earth. Today, many of us are disconnected from the land beneath of us. Somewhere along the way, a severing happened, a moment when it became too painful to stay connected. We feel unsupported and as if we don't belong. We look to other people and the external world to fill the void of the connection, holding, and belonging once given to us by the earth. Taking, clutching, conquering, longing for others to receive us fully as Mother Earth once did. Forgetting that she's still here, waiting for us to remember and activate the part of us that longs to receive her embrace. When you consciously connect with the Earth, a veil is lifted and she opens up and receives you more fully. You're able to drink from her sweet waters and release what no longer serves you. Stagnant energy falls away and you become connected to all things on the planet. So... You asked right before I pulled that card for a relationship card. This is telling you to connect with the earth first. All right. I'll, I, I have to go hug my Christmas tree. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, especially because I'm sure it's easy, you know, like we talked about at the beginning, you're so busy and you're like skyrocketing in success. I, I experience this as well, just starting my own business and my own brand. It's so easy when you're passionate about something to get sucked in. Yeah. And I notice I haven't been connecting with nature and getting outside as much. So that could just be the message coming through for both of us right now to connect to nature. Sure. Um, but I also, as I was reading that, just thought about what you said. And I think this is a beautiful way to end this about the metaverse, about cryptocurrency, about Bitcoin that you love this life, you love the earth. It's not about getting lost in the metaverse. It's about creating more value in your actual physical life and time here on this planet. I agree. I think that's a great place to end as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I know you're a very busy person and I'm so grateful you shared your time with me and taught us just a little bit about Bitcoin. I know there's so much more to learn and I can't wait to keep following you and keep learning more.
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. If any of you have questions about Bitcoin, happy to answer. My DMs are open and I'll see you soon. Yes, absolutely. And we'll be back next week with more wonderful in-depth interviews. But until then, stay curious. Thank you so much for joining our discussion today. If you enjoyed this episode of The Spiritual Journalist, you can find more on thespiritualjournalist.com or you can listen to our conversations wherever you enjoy podcasts. And if you want to learn more about astrology, join me live every weekday morning on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter for Transits Today, where we break down the energy of the day based on the movement of the planets and start our morning off in a high vibe. All of the information we share on The Spiritual Journalist is completely free to you. So if you'd like to support more content like this, the easiest way to do so is to subscribe to our YouTube page. Head over to The Spiritual Shop on our website and buy yourself a little something. Or if you're feeling extra generous, you can buy me a coffee to fuel future live streams. Just tap the link in the description or head to buymeacoffee.com and search The Spiritual Journalist. I'm so grateful you found us here and I can't wait for our next conversation.